You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. I'm, I'm going to try to do my best uh, imitation of Bill Johnson here because I don't look anything like Bill, right? But I'm going to start out with some jokes. You, got, you guys like jokes? All right. A man tells his doctor, Doc, help me. I'm addicted to Twitter. The doctor replies, sorry, I don't follow you. <laughs> Let us think in. Let us think in. What do you call a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? A receding hairline. All right, I'll just stop there. <laughs> I'll just stop while I'm ahead. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, this, this is a little bit more on a more serious note. I saw this the other day, and it just grabbed me, and I thought, man, we, we really need to hear this. Scott's actually been talking about this some the last couple weeks, but uh, this is from Tony Evans. And Tony said, I hear people say I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone, in Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married, but if you stay away long enough, your relationship will be affected. How true is that? So true. I just thought that was a lot of wisdom in that paragraph. Um, you know, and, and we talked about that. Uh, Scott talked about it last week, you know, that uh, about home churches, house churches are amazing, but you're not supposed to do just that alone. It's, you're supposed to come and meet as a corporate body. Because there's things that you're going to get in church as a corporate body. Uh, and you're going to experience things that you can't get at home. And uh, we need both. We need both. Uh, because it strengthens who we are. Amen. I had a friend. Uh, if he's, Hey, Nick. How you doing? My friend. My only friend, Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, oh, and Scott. Scott's a friend. Oh, and, and, then, and then Jake. And then I've got a lot of friends. Let me... I don't want to isolate anybody, okay? Um, golly, I'm just sticking my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I set myself up for that one. Well, Nick gave me a book the other day, and I started reading it, and I really loved it. it uh, and I've never heard of this guy. He's, he's from Portland, Oregon, which might really uh, explain why he wrote this book. But uh, the... the the author, his name is John Mark Comer, and the name of the book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yeah, good. I'm glad somebody read it, uh, other than Nick. <laughs> but uh, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to read it, but I, wanna, I just want to read a paragraph out of here and, and just read it to you because it kind of goes along with what I'm talking about today. Um, if I can get it open. All right, of course, I'm, I'm reading this in just pieces. It says... Um, now all those little moments are gone, swallowed up by the digital carnivore. The second we feel even a hint of boredom coming on, we reach for the appendages that are our smartphones to check out news feeds, answer an email, reply all click, read a tweet about Donald Trump's tweet about who knows what before we tweet about who knows what, Look up weather for Thursday, search for a new pair of shoes, and naturally slay at Candy Crush. 
Now, this is interesting. A survey from Microsoft found that 77% uh, of young adults answered yes when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. He says here, I mean, not me, you. Uh, Pretty much the only place we can be alone with our thoughts anymore is in the shower. And it's only a matter of time until our devices are waterproof, which in turn will trigger the apocalypse. (laughs) He said, I allow myself that brief rant just to say that all this has profound implications for our apprenticeships to Jesus and our experiences or lack of experiences of the life he has on offer. How so? Simple. This new normal of hurried digital distraction is robbing us of the ability to be present. Present with God, present to other people, present to all the good and beautiful things in this world, and present present to the assignment that God has given us. So I just wanted to share that with you. I think this book is is really a, a great reminder of things that we all need to, you know, really focus on because being present is critical when giving attention to what is going on in your life and hearing the voice of God, uh, much like what the author just pointed out. And, uh, you know, recognizing what God is wanting you to focus on and where he wants you to place that focus. You know, busyness does not always equate to effectiveness. And we've, we've bought that lie that it does, but it's actually, it's actually not effective. It's, it's actually counterproductive. And what we actually give our attention to is the person we become, whether good or bad. It's, it's who we're going to become. So what, whatever we're putting our focus on, whatever we're putting our gaze on, that's who we're going to become. And, um, you, know, sometimes, you know, sometimes for all of us, it's in the hidden places. It's in those hidden places of great tension and where God, where God in hard places, where God actually develops you. And we've gotten, as a society, I think we've gotten away from anything that feels hard, anything that, uh, that, that sparks any kind of uh, hint of pain or difficulty. We've, we, we've gotten away from that, and we see it as a bad thing. And we have to understand that being a Christian is not all about just everything being 100% okay. And that we are never going to face struggles or obstacles or difficulties in our life. But we have an understanding that we know that the source that we're connected to, he has all the answers. And he has the ability to help us get through these difficult times and and get over these obstacles that get thrown in front of us. And uh, when you're connected to the source and not a source, it changes your whole life. It changes your whole perspective. And if your life is not like that, then you're connected to the wrong source. And so I want to encourage you. We, we're, we're going after this because I really feel like in a day where there's so many distractions, we have got to start becoming more present with who he is in our life in order to be the overcoming bride that he's called us to be to this world. Because this world needs your voice. This world needs your life to be focused on the source or you're going to be empty and not be able to give anything. I I love the testimonies of Elaine and 
I just, and Melissa, I just went blank. Melissa, how could I f- forget your name? I love the test. Eh, I, I, <laughs> sorry, Melissa. Yeah, I've got, I'm getting fewer friends here on this message as, as we go along. <laughs> you know what? I did it to myself. All right. Self-inflicted. But I love, I love, I love the testimonies that we heard. How people are, when, when they went out, they're, they're making people feel seen, heard, known. They're making the God that is inside of them available to the people that are out there. And that's what, that's what really, in reality, that's what we're called to. That's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if you're not experiencing, if you're not experiencing uh, joy, if you're not experiencing pleasures of knowing who He is, then we have to refocus and recenter and say, okay, why am I not experiencing these things? You know, much like this book, you know, the uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. It's because we're we're in too much of a hurry, and we're not slowing down enough. To really focus on the source that's going to be the only thing that's going to change the ability, the way we see ourselves. And bring significance into our lives. Because mainly that's what we're all wanting to see happen. Is we're, we're driven as, as a human, as mankind, to be significant. And significance isn't found in what we do. Significance is found in who, who we are in. And we are in Christ. That makes us significant. So reading this verse, I just, I mean, it just pops out. And it's, you know, if we choose to embrace God's process in our life and his timeline, I believe it's not only possible, but I also believe we can survive to thrive in the midst of everything that we go through. Yes. We can. We can survive it. God's, God's perfect plan for you is to survive in the midst of tension, in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of difficulty. His perfect plan for you is to thrive in him you know and i tell you i I love i love when and when i say thrive what i mean by by thrive i mean growing and learning in wisdom growing and learning in faithfulness growing and learning in character and faith and and growing and learning in the middle of circumstances and you know i love a person in the bible who absolutely epitomized this was the apostle Paul. He was an example of a guy who could thrive and he grew in every single circumstance of his life. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, Paul more than anybody, I think, he really knew how to do this really well. You know, Philippians 4.13 says, and we all know this verse, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And, you know, that, that verse is on bumper stickers. It's on tattoo in tattoos. It's on, you know, social media. Everybody loves to quote that verse. And when they quote it, they quote it with all zeal. And they make it their mantra. You know, this is my mantra. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when we get into that and we understand, there's times that as human beings, we cherry pick those verses that we want to focus on. And then we decide, okay, it's only the things that we see as doable that we can do. Not all things, just the things that we deem as doable and deem that are not hard. But see, we got to remember, there's two verses prior to that verse that we don't even look at and we don't even talk about. 
Are we going to get real? We got to get real here today. If we're, if we're going to talk about living as Christians in the world today, we have got to get good at, at reading and, and including and accepting all truth, not just some truth. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't claim to be a Bible scholar, so I'm not going to try to get all, you know, Bible scholarly on you. But what I am saying is, we've got to listen. You eat the whole thing. You don't eat just parts of it that you like or don't like. And and if you do, this is why you're failing at your on your walk as a Christian. I mean, that's a harsh thing to say, but it's it's reality. It's true. I've been there. I know what that looks like. So I'm, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to encourage you that, man, we've got to, we've got to eat the whole enchilada. The whole thing. The whole thing. Philippians 4, 11 and 12, it says this. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. This is what Paul has said. And we, we see Paul saying this, and what he's saying is, I've had seasons of life where I've had everything I've needed, and then I've had seasons in life where I've been needing and I've been wanting. Yep, yep. This is what he's saying. But here's the deal. He said, I have developed the ability to access and thrive in both of those seasons. And why has he been able to do that? By learning to access the resource that never changes, God, Christ my strength. That's why he was able to do it. That's why he could boldly proclaim the gospel even when he was in prison. That's why miracles happened from this man because he understood that the source that he had wasn't based on his condition. It wasn't based on his surroundings. It wasn't based on the things that were provided for him. It was based on the resource and the resource was God himself. And we as a people have got to, we've got to fix our faces like Flint. And we've got to understand that Jesus is the only source that we have. If we're going to be supernatural beings and walk in the power of, of the supernatural of who he is in our lives, we've got to understand that that's, that's who we've got to access and that's our strength is in him. You know, God's perfect will for us is to navigate the same set of circumstances just like Paul and to find him who's our strength in every season of our life. And we have to know where to look and how to look in the face of the enemy's distractions. Uh, which is really difficult because the enemy is constantly going to be trying to tear you down. Whether it's going to be talking to you in your, in your spirit man, in your ear, in your soul. Uh, or, or doing it through another individual trying to tear you down. There's going to be distractions that he's going to come with and try to get you off track. And he's going to try to lie to you. Let's pull up that, that sheet. I've got the PowerPoint here. So, what do we got here? Okay, typically these distractions will try to get to us. Uh, the first one is, we wish we were in someone else's place when we start going through difficulty. Man, I wish I was in somebody's, somebody else's place right now. I don't want to be right here. I don't want to be present in dealing with what I'm dealing with. And I, I just want to get away from it as fast as I can. Who can, who can, who can you know, say, hey, that, I've done that. I've done that. Okay, the next one. Sorry, I can't see. Resist the lessons God is trying to teach us in our circumstances. Listen, denial becomes your greatest enemy. 
When you start denying that you don't have a problem or you start denying that what is in front of you is not really happening, you're missing it. You're starting to miss it. So you, you, you've got to understand that that's a tactic of the enemy. Okay, the next one. Number three, rush the process. Nobody in here has ever done that, right? <laughs> Including me. Jerry, you keep raising your hand for every one of these. Okay. I love it, man. I love it. All right, the next one. Skip steps in the process. Good night. How many? I mean, I've done this so many times. Okay, well, I'll just skip over this one and this one, and I'll get, I'll get to the end of it quicker. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. It, that is a massive distraction. Okay, the next one. Skip the process altogether. <laughs> who, who, I, man, come on. And number six, isn't there a sixth one? No. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, falling for any of these will prevent us from thriving and growing. Why? Because it's in those places of tension. It's in those places of learning that we develop a root system that goes deep. And it goes deeper in order to withstand the storms of life. And if we allow these things to prevent us from thriving and growing, we're never going to get a root system established. And anytime something comes along, it's just going to topple us over. I mean, the littlest thing could just throw us off track. Somebody could say something to you wrong, and it, and it offends you. And it totally takes you out of the plan of God for your life. Because then you, then you meditate on it. And you, you think about it. And then you, you allow unforgiveness to come in. And then the next thing you know, you're not even hearing God anymore because you're so angry. So it's all these little things that will prevent us from thriving and growing. And we can't rush the process. We just can't doing, do it. Because falling for any of these is going to keep us from growing. I remember 25 years ago. This is going a long way back. Here's the deal. None of us are... What's the word I'm looking for? None of us are exempt. Thank you, school teacher. <laughs> None of us are exempt from this process. Nobody. Nobody's exempt from this. 25 years ago, I'm at a, a really large church in Fort Worth, Texas. A really thriving church. It's doing really well. We're on TV. We're doing all this stuff. And the church starts going through some difficulties. There's some poor management going on. There's some leadership stuff that's happening. And just it starts spiraling out of control. And um, the whole time, I'm looking for a back door. Like, I, I just don't want to be here anymore. I want to I skip this whole thing. I, I don't want to be faithful. I just want to get out of here. Because this is too painful for me. And I remember God just not allowing me to do it. Like, I tried so hard to run. And every time I tried to run, I would get checked by the Holy Spirit. And I would feel such conviction. And it wasn't from people. It was from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I went through this for, it was, all, it was a two-year process. And unfortunately, I have to say, the church didn't survive, okay? That church did not survive. But I made it to the end. And I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. But I knew that God, that this is what God had put in front of me, and I needed to be obedient to it, and I needed to be faithful to it. Because I knew in the process that he was teaching me something. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was not fun. And then when I got through it, I was like, oh, man, 
I got some relief. I feel so much better now because this whole thing is over. Even though it didn't end up being the way I wanted it to end up, it wasn't the, the end result. I was just happy that I was having some relief. Anybody been there? Like, I got through it. I got relief now. And man, I'll never have to go through this again. Wrong. Wrong. Let me tell you something. As Christians, we go with Jesus from glory to glory. And we are learning from obstacle to obstacle, from challenge to challenge. And what is going on there is you're being developed. I'm being developed, being prepared for something greater than just something I can believe in. I'm being prepared for something that he believes in. And what does he believe in? He believes in hope. He believes in freedom. He, he believes in family. He believes in his body. He believes in his bride. And we are the ones that are, have the awesome responsibility to carry out his love on this earth. And if we don't allow the process to have its perfect work in our lives, we're never going to reach that place that he's, he's got set aside for us. We might have second best, third best, whatever, but it's not going to be exactly what he wanted because we were unwilling to go through the pain of being uncomfortable. Anybody else can attest to that? So I'm like, oh, man, it's over. Thank God I'll never have to deal with this particular type of situation again. And fast forward 10 years later, I'm right back in the same place, dealing with the same set of circumstances. <laughs> And I'm like, God, you're just cruel. <laughs> I know he's not. I'm, he's good. Amen. But my mind was lying to me. And, uh, man, you talk about difficult. But you know what? I'd already been there. And I already, I, there's been so many times in my life where when the pressure came and the problems came, I did run. And guess what? I ended up right back in the same situation, in the same scenario, ready to show that I could pass again from where I had left off and refused to go through the process. And so, you know, fast forward eight years later, it happens again, but guess what? I passed the test again. Amen. It never stops. <laughs> Here's some encouraging words. It never stops. It never stops. You know why it never stops? Because God is doing something in your life. He's perfecting something. I've used this illustration before, and this is not, I didn't put it on here, but I've used this illustration before talking about swordsmith and a blacksmith. The, the difference between a swordsmith and a blacksmith is the process and the material that they use. Swordsmiths use the best metal that there is, the best steel that there is. Steel, not metal. And the, the, the process is, 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 tedious and long to make a great sword but a blacksmith he's just using metal that's not top grade steel and he can make mass amounts of swords and mass amount of equipment with with uh, with just the metal and, and produce it in mass quantity but the first time you take a swing at something and it resists something and hits something harder than itself it shatters this is the difference. This is the, this is the thing that God is doing in our lives. We can either become the blacksmith in our lives or we can allow him to be the swordsmith in our lives. That's what I love about when we say yes to God speaking into our life. He's working us into a fine, 
a finely tuned, a very polished, beautiful sword that when it goes and it's used in battle, no matter what the battle is, that it cuts and it pierces and it's able to divide between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow. And when we speak, it has purpose. Isn't that what you want to be? That's what I want to be. So I don't want to run from the things that are hard. Man, I tell you what, and I'm going to say this, and I could, you know, none of us want to expose anybody, but man, if I could sit here and tell you the people that I've seen in the last 10, 15 years who were absolute champions that refused to go through this process, and today they're not even in church. They're not even involved in ministry. They're not even close to the dream that they thought they were supposed to attain because they refused to go through the process. I think Joe Lewis said, stepping into a, uh, Joe Lewis, the great late Joe Lewis boxer champion, he said, stepping into a ring doesn't make you a champion. It's what you do to become a champion outside of the ring. Same principle as a Christian. What are we doing? In order to thrive, we must focus on building the wall that is in front of us. Building the wall that is in front of us. We see this strategy in Nehemiah. I want to set up this story for you because it's a beautiful story in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Everybody familiar with Nehemiah? Yep, yep. Okay. Book of Nehemiah. You know, one thing I love about Nehemiah, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to analyze, scrutinize, and talk about the problems of the world. But we just need somebody that will rise up and do something about it. That's a big, great place for you to say amen. amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I'm going to tell you anyway whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, we are in the fix we are in in this country right now because we decided not to rise up and do something about it. I, I'm telling you right now, we have got to change the things that we are doing. We've got to take ownership and we've got to be present in everything. As we preach the gospel, as we love people, we have to be present. When we are standing and fighting for this country, we have to be present. You, can't, you cannot relinquish your responsibility to somebody else and expect them to do it. Because everybody else is thinking the same thing. And then we have a small minority that actually makes things happen. And then we want to complain when it happens. But it's changing because we are not going to be those people anymore. Amen. Amen. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm running for office. I'm not. Vote for me. I'll, I'll get everybody a hunting lease and we'll go out and have fun. Yeah. So we, we see this story get set up with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an amazing guy. Uh, Nehemiah was a Jew. He was the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And this guy's name is so hard. It's Artaxerxes. And he was the Persian. He was a Persian king. And uh, he is the royal cupbearer, which was really a high place of influence. And that meant he always had the king's ear. And so uh, Nehemiah is hearing about all the Jews that had been been in captivity from Babylonian captivity, and they're all coming back, a lot of them are coming back to Jerusalem to come back to their home, to their ancestral home. And as they're coming back to Jerusalem, from all the wars and from all the, 
all the people that had been taken out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem pretty much had been just fallen. It had, the walls were tore down. There was no protection on the city. Uh, people were raiding the city constantly, day and night. It was open to the enemy nonstop. And when Nehemiah heard this, it said that it broke his heart. He went into mourning. He started fasting and he started praying, God, what can I do? And so God began to speak to him and basically say, this is what I want you to do. And, and let me read right here what he did. So Nehemiah 2, it says, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. And I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So can you imagine that? He had never appeared sad. He just, he was always in a, you know, just full of joy. And it says, I was serving the king as why I never appeared sad before. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. He said, then I was terrified because the king is like, oh, he's going to have me talk. He's going he's gonna to make me tell him what's going on. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried in ruins, is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king asked, well, how can I help you? Wow, come on. Come on. What, what, what? What a place of influence. What a place of being honored by the king of Persia. He said, what can I do to help you? So he begins to unpack the plan to the king. And the king says, well, how long will you be gone? And he's like a long time. And uh, like a long time. I mean, this goes on and on and on. So we, we don't have time to, to go into all of it. But he said a long time. And he said, okay. He said, you go. And you, and you take what you need. And he said, King, I don't want to press my luck, but will you also give me letters that will protect me under your realm as I go to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? And the king wrote him letters, he, uh, envoy, I mean the whole nine yards. So it says that Nehemiah, he left and in the cover of darkness, him and a few other guys, they went through Jerusalem, they went around the wall, they went and studied the gates, they assessed all the damage that had been done to the Jerusalem walls and to the gates of the city. And um, it said, he then laid out a strategy for the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and what needed to be done. And he called for the priest and the people together, and he started to delegate the work. Now, I'll say this. He also had a lot of resistance from a lot of people because they were basically like, who do you think you are coming in here trying to tell us what to do? So, well, I'm the one that's got a plan from God. I'm the one that's got a vision. And I'm the one that, I'm the only one that's come and, and said, I want to do this. And so basically, he, he ends up getting the support of the people. And for the most part, you know, the people were assigned to work on the part of the wall that was closest to their home. The priests made repairs each in front of their own house. And from what we gather, Nehemiah said, walk out your front door and whatever's in front of you, whatever part of the wall is in front of, directly in front of you, that is the part of the wall, that is the portion of the wall that you're to rebuild right in front of you. And so it's simple, but it was very, very strategic. I mean, very strategic. And this, you know, for me, it's a powerful picture of how God works in our lives, that sometimes we miss what he is doing right in front of us. How many times have we missed what is happening right in front of us? Mainly because we're not present. 
And because we've adopted another source rather than the source. So it's just a perfect picture of that, that we sometimes we miss it, right? what's right in front of us. Because sometimes, too, we longingly look at other people's parts of the wall. We longingly look at what other people are doing in their seasons or doing in their giftings or what part of the dream that, uh, you know, their dreams and they're doing something different. And we start to try to compare why we're not where they are. And so what that tends to make us want to do, again, is to skip the process of building what's right in front of us. This is, this is hard. It's hard because nobody wants to go through the, the tough things to get the prize. Especially in today's culture. Everybody wants a prize. Everybody wants a trophy just for being awesome. Well, I hate to tell you, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Faithfulness, obedience brings the prize. Brings the promise. Brings the vision. Brings the dream. Amen? Amen. I mean, Jesus even unpacked this in, in the parables when he's talking about this is what the kingdom of God looks like. A man goes away, and we've, we've talked about this before, and he gives to three different servants the, the, the money. He gave them something, and he expected something in return. And he didn't pre, pre after he gave it to him, he didn't say, okay, I'm expecting you to have this much or have these kind of results he just gave them the money and he said okay be good stewards he didn't have any pre-qualification he just said here's the money now do something with it you don't get a trophy for just for for doing nothing because all three of those guys did something and the 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 servant that didn't do anything with it he got he got reprimanded why because he was given something really valuable and he didn't see the value in it. He allowed fear to rob him of being faithful and being obedient. So what, I, what, what I'm trying to say here is we've, we've got to build what God puts in front of us. And that's right directly in front of us. And it, we can get distracted by watching those other people and their other assignments and other seasons of life. And the grass can look greener on their section of the wall. How many of you know that? I mean, you know, we've all said things like that. Why, why, why? I mean, I've been through the same thing they've been through, and they're getting to enjoy this. Why, why am I not experiencing that? Because obviously there's still some stuff you need to learn. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Obviously there's something you've got to learn, you know. And we get distracted by all these things. And we can't see that God is using what is right in front of us to develop us and to develop our root system that we so desperately need. And in doing that, the king, just like in the natural, is saying, how can I help you? Jesus is saying, how can I help you? And and, and, and if we're smart, we'll answer or, 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 or we'll find another source. You know, significance drives us to look at other areas instead of what's right in front of us. And the enemy will always mock you. I mean, this is, this is a given. The enemy will always mock you and get you to question why you're doing what you're doing. And he'll attack you. He'll belittle the purpose in getting you to ask the question, am what I'm doing really, is it worthwhile? 
And we see this same thing happen to Nehemiah in building the wall in, in chapter 4. It says the enemies of Jerusalem. And, and when we say enemies of Jerusalem, we're not talking about just the people outside of Jerusalem. There were people inside of Jerusalem that were enemies of Jerusalem. And it said that these people, as they were building the wall, were stirring up problems on Nehemiah. And they were cursing them. And they were making fun of them. Because they didn't want the wall to be rebuilt. Why wouldn't you want the wall to be rebuilt? Because it wasn't meeting their agenda. And when the enemy hurls accusations at you. When you're doing things that are right in front of you that God's called you to do. And it doesn't look worthwhile. You've got to understand that the reason why you're getting such opposition is because you're not meeting the enemy's agenda. And he'll make you think that what you're doing is not worth it. And he'll get you looking at somebody else's piece of the wall. He'll get you looking at somebody else's piece of the green grass on the other side of the wall. He'll say... You don't need to be doing this anymore because this is for losers. You need to be over there and you need to skip this whole process and just go take it. Or you just need to go do it. You need to make it happen. And so what ends up happening is you don't go through the process. You don't build the thing that's right in front of you. You don't go through the time where God is, is developing a root system in your life. And what ends up happening is you're not strong enough to withstand when you step into that place of, of the promise and when you step into the place of the dream you can't do it because you haven't been tested and you're not able to steward it the way you're supposed to steward it and that's what happened to the servant who stuck the money in the ground and hit it there had to be things in this guy's life if we just unpack it there had to be things in this guy's life that, per, that caused him to do what he did he had not prepared himself and that's what God's telling us. He said, you got to prepare, you got to prepare yourself. You know, we will never thrive in the process unless we accept the place where God has put us. Because that's the only place where he will work with us. Now that sounds harsh. But it's the truth. Because if you jump out of that place that he puts you in, and you're not willing to do the things to, do, to, to become stronger, and to become wiser, and to withstand the things that, that you're going to be tempted with. You're not, he, he can't work with you because you're not willing to hear him. You're not willing to listen to him. And you're not willing to allow him to build that dream that's in your heart. You know, uh, I remember just probably eight or nine years ago, I was brought into an office. Uh, and me and another man, were, we sat down in the office. This is ministry. And uh, our young leader at the time he began to challenge us. I love that young leader and his passion. And, you know, here I am, an older guy, but he, this guy's a young leader. And, uh, well, I'll just say it. The young leader was Scott Thompson. <laughs> young, age-wise. Well, so Scott challenged me and this other Scott will remember this. Scott cha challenged me and this other guy. He's basically, hey, man, if you could dream and do whatever you want to do, what would you do? So we began to unpack all this stuff. And then he said, well, you know, what would your dream salary be? And, you know, we said all this other stuff, you know, of course. And uh, then he asked both of us basically, well, what would you be willing to do right now? 
What would you be willing to do right now? And you know, faithfulness and obedience will help us to recognize what God is asking us to put our hands to and what he is emphasizing in our lives at the moment. I mean, it's going to help us to do that. Without it, we'll never grow or be mature or be ready for the next assignment. Obedience and faithfulness is the key to your promotion. You know, I could have demanded in that meeting with Scott what I thought was owed to me. I could have said, oh, I'm not going to do this and this and this based on I had experienced some things in the past or experienced poor leadership in the past. Or I could have, I could have, I could have done a lot of things. But I had been around long enough to understand that I needed to walk in a place of humility and understand what God was putting right in front of me. And that I would, if I said yes to that, and I was faithful and obedient to that, that God would reward me in that season. And, and, and you know what? God did reward me. And the other person did not, he wasn't able to finish that at all. And it's, it was sad because he was not able to do what was asked of him. Because he didn't see the faithfulness. He didn't see the obedience. He didn't see the reward. He didn't see the value of building the wall in front of him. He didn't see the value in it. And um, it, cost, it cost him longevity in the long run in ministry. It really did. You know, let me say this, and we're finishing. Faithfulness to build the wall is not giving up your dream. Okay? It's trusting God with your dream. Even when you can't see the path clearly. It's trusting God with that dream. It takes faith and commitment to trust God who gave us both the dream and our current assignment and then to say I don't understand how you're going to get me from here to there but getting me there is your job me being faithful and obedient is my job yes. so I want to encourage you guys today don't run from what's in front of you whatever it is it, 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 I mean it could be a vast uh, uh, just a vast thing of, of things that God has put. It could be your family. It could be this. It could be that. Don't run what's been put in. Don't run from what's been put in front of you. Build it. Be faithful. Be obedient in it. And I promise you, you're going to grow, and you're going to become wiser. You're going to become stronger. You're you're going to get prepared for the next step and the next promotion that God has for your life. And when you lean into that and you accept it with all willingness and all joy, let me tell you, you are going to thrive. You're going to thrive like never before. Everybody stand up. Let's just pray out, man. That's good. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. God, I just thank you for... Your promises are all yes and amen in our lives. Yes. That, God, you're not withholding anything from anyone in this place. Yes. We have to come to the reality that we are withholding things in our lives because we won't take our hands off of it. Amen. So, Father, I just pray right now that you give us the grace, you give us the ability to take our hands off what you're trying to perfect in our lives and allow your Holy Spirit to take that sword and cut deep between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit, and shape us into the men and the women of the kingdom that you're, you've called us to be a part of. 
Father, I just thank you for every person in here. We just release blessings over each family. We release blessings over each individual. Father, we just say more of your insight, more of your wisdom, uh, more of your voice, more of your joy, more of your freedom. God, just give us the ability to just lean into this season and embrace it and run and, and be so full of life and thrive right where you put us. Just thrive right where you put us. Father, we just love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Yeah, and everybody said, amen, amen. We love you.